0: Hello there, and welcome to Odessa First Assembly's weekly podcast, where we bring you the heart of our Sunday message. I'm Tony, your host, and the face behind our digital ministry. We're excited to dive into today's sermon, exploring the Word of God together. So grab your coffee, find a comfy spot, and let's embark on this journey of faith. Without further ado, here's this week's sermon. Those that have come into our community that is from um, other nations. It would probably surprise you to know that it is estimated that in in Odessa, um, not, you know, I, I don't know what the number would be, including Midland, but in Odessa, there are 45 different nations represented. And of those 45 nations, we have had 25 come to one of our international connects. And so I'd really encourage you to be a part of this. It's a really exciting thing. We have foods from all over the world. People, it's kind of a a potluck thing, you know, that you bring your food and and a dish and uh, enough to share. And so it's a great time of fellowship to get to know somebody. And of course, ultimately, I mean, the reason we do this is to build bridges and relationships to share about the love of Jesus. And so if you want more information about that, just um, see Angela or um, uh, some of the other ladies that I can't think of right now, and so uh, they'll help you out, and it starts tonight at 6, and so keep that in mind. Um, and also keep your, uh, Brittany in your prayers in the hospital this week. She's at home now, and uh, Tony's actually in Fort Stockton um, filling in, a, a preaching at a church there, and so we want to pray for him. So if you have your Bibles... I want you to turn to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 7. We've been in a series called Encounters with Jesus. If you've missed the previous two weeks, I would highly encourage you to catch up on uh, the podcast or YouTube and the different places we post that. I really believe, I, I, think of, uh, I think of all the tenure that I've been here, I've, I've been really excited about this series, and I think the last two messages I've really encouraged and, and, and spoken to hearts, and we've seen God really do some neat things. And so this morning, I want to talk about Luke chapter 7. We're going to talk about the prostitute in the alabaster box. And so as you get ready, Luke chapter seven, we'll read that in just a moment, but let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, it's the work of your spirit in our hearts and lives. Let I pray for Brittany, Lord, your continued touch upon her. We pray for Tony as he ministers right now and, and Fort Stockton as he's preaching. And so Lord, but I pray that our hearts would be good soil, ready to receive your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen, amen. I, I don't know if you've ever hosted somebody special, um, you know, I spent years, I, I know I've talked about this, I spent years traveling, missionary evangelist, and uh, I got to, I, I, I got hosted well in places, and some other places, uh, you know, not, not so much. There was even one instance, I was preaching in a city at a church, and my um, whole weekend thing. And, and so I uh, went straight to the church and the kids were real little. I don't, I'm not even sure Kaylee, Kaylee might've been an infant. And so, but we, you know, preach to this church and then we get to the hotel and uh, I'm like, I, it, uh, yeah, it was that bad. It was bad enough. I had never done this before. I said, I don't know how I'm going to get home but y'all are going home. And I actually sent Angela and the kids home. I would not let them stay in that hotel we were put up in. And so I've I've had experiences like that. I've had other experiences. I mean, you go in the room, it's like it's a, you know, you get all the gift baskets and you know, just, uh, uh, there's something, and I do think it's a gift. I mean, if you come over to my house, I'm gonna be like, I'm I'm gonna be watching the game and I'll be like, there's a DP in the fridge, help yourself, whatever. And, uh, you know, a lot of people host differently. And so, but maybe you've hosted somebody special. I, you know, I was thinking about a couple of times uh, about ministers. Here was So years ago, um, I, something I love doing is like going and, and picking up evangelists or speakers like at meetings and stuff. And so there was like a, a, a world-renowned evangelist and i was like dude i'll go pick him up and so i go i go to the airport picking him up and so he like comes out of the airport with this whole security team and i'm like okay this is this i've never experienced this before and so then like the lead security guy comes over to me and he says listen you're not to look him in the eye you can't talk to him if you need to tell him anything you tell me i'll relay the message and it'll be the same if, he's got, if he needs to tell you something, he'll relay it through me. So I want you to picture this. So we get in the van, and the speaker is sitting right behind me. And I'm like, I can't talk to this guy. And of course, if you know the way that I'm wired. I'm like, bet. <laughs> and so, but we're driving, and so sure enough, the, the speaker, he had something to say, and so he tells the security guy, and the security guy tells me, and so I turned to the speaker. I'm like driving. I'm like, you know, I can hear you, right? I, 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 that's what I did. And so that was a real unique. I mean, we, I mean, we had washed the van and all this stuff to host this guy well. And I mean, he, this guy, I mean, he really thought he was something. I, I've hosted other guys. I, I'm not going to tell you his name. Maybe in private, you ask me, I'll tell you. But um, I mean, sold millions of books, you know. There was, there was these other guys one time that I went. I will tell you their name. It was, I was at this meeting and it was Claudio Frazin, Carlos Anacania and Sergio Scataglini and was at this conference and if you don't know them, I mean, they are to Latin and Central and South America, kind of what Billy Graham is to us. I mean, and, and they're, they're world renowned, they have all kinds of books, you know, and so. Uh, you know, we had these two Lincoln town cars, man. I mean, we're going to treat them really well. You know, I volunteered to be a part of that. And so we go to the hotel to pick them up. And so I want you to picture this. So it's them three. It's my brother-in-law and it's me and then two of their sons. And so we, me and my brother-in-law pull up. And so they're all, they're ready to pick up and they're like, we're not going to ride in two cars. We can all fit in one. I'm like, no, we can't. (laughs) Not in America, you know. And so we all, I mean, but they, I mean, we pile in. I mean, we're sitting, I mean, I, I, this is no exaggeration. I'm sitting on somebody's lap who has preached around all the world. And I mean, they're cutting up, they're telling jokes. I mean, a completely different experience and so maybe you've had some experiences like that but as I was reading in Luke 7 those memories just kind of popped up because of how all of this unloads how all this comes together and I want you to know that when you look at Luke chapter 7 Simon that we're gonna read about has an agenda and he wanted to illustrate how important he was and so he makes an invitation to Jesus to come to his house and eat. And so we pick up in Luke chapter 7 and verse 36. Luke chapter 7 and verse 36. And we're just going to read that first verse really quickly. If you have the fill in the notes, we do have extra notebooks now. We finally got them in. They're out there. If you need a notebook, we do ask an offering of $10 for those because it pays for the notebook. And then all the paper notes so hopefully you have that also the U Bible app. You can check that, the digital notes there. But Luke chapter 7, verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. So picture. So here's a Pharisee. He invites Jesus to come to his house and eat. I mean, this guy makes the imitation. You know, I, I don't know if it's a good rule of thumb or if it's necessarily just an unspoken thing, but when I invite somebody to go out to eat, I normally try to pay yeah. I, because I want to treat I mean, I invited you, and so I'm going to pay for you, and you got to arm wrestle Adam for the check sometimes, but um, you know you I mean that's just a common thing you do and so this Pharisee he invites Jesus to come to his house but that is not the um, response that Jesus gets that's not the the hosting that Jesus gets and if you're not familiar with the Pharisees the Pharisees their religious group in in the first century and they knew a lot about God but I don't think they really knew God and so the Pharisees were there about rules and regulations and there were good things the Pharisees did, right? I mean, there were good things about them, but they didn't, they, they, didn't, they didn't care for Jesus too much. And maybe it was because they were so focused about the rules and traditions, but Jesus was focused on people. He was focused on the people. And you know, Jesus, jesus, is a, jesus he's, a, he's a smart guy. If you didn't know, matter of fact, we could easily say and accurately say that he was all knowing and is all knowing. And so I don't think Jesus was taken by surprise. I don't think he was taken by surprise what was going on in Simon's heart. He knew exactly how he would be treated. And so, you know, it's so common for Pharisees to have almost a, a superiority complex. There are many things that they did were negative, but in in this, I mean, they focused on the minutia of the law. But listen, here's my encouragement to you. And the first thing is this. Don't let fear of legalism stop your growth in Christ. See, I I think, so if you've been around this thing for a while, I mean, some of us know what it means to go to a very, legalistic church. Some of us maybe have grown up in that. Some of you, you're like, you don't even know what that means. There, there was a season and a lot of churches. I, I remember one, I mean, it, it was all about, it was rules based. It was about how you dress and how your hair was and whether or not makeup and all this kind of stuff. And, um, I remember an, of an evangelist from another Pentecostal denomination, and he was. We were talking about it. He's like, you know what? We thought our denomination thought you assembly God people were going to hell because you wore wedding bands. I mean, that that's how far they took wearing jewelry. I mean, that just really blew my mind. And so, but sometimes what happens is is we have this knee jerk reaction to something. And we swing like so far the other way. And so now we have what's called a hyper grace movement. And it's like, it is totally the opposite spectrum of that legalism. And I think sometimes we think, you know what, I, 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 don't, want, I don't want to step into or grow into legalism. Listen, the root of legalism is in pride that's where the root of legalism is so but the thing is is as God's doing a work in your life don't be resistant to God changing your life because God changes your life through discipline I know we don't like that word I'm, I'm fixing to change some disciplines in my life I have a goal I have a goal it may be almost impossible to have a goal you want to know what my goal is I'm saying this to be accountable in public. I have a goal to lose 50 pounds by my 50th birthday. That's my goal. It starts tomorrow or Tuesday. I don't know. Anyway, so, but the most of change happens because of discipline. Discipline is not legalism. Discipline is not legalism. I want us to read a scripture together It's Colossians chapter 3 verse 5 I want you to read it'll be on the screen So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. I love the way Colossians says this So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking in you have nothing to do with sexual immorality. That is change y'all impurity lust evil desires Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of the world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. Listen, does God love? Absolutely. Is God love? Absolutely. But listen, because of the love of God, if we reject God, Scripture teaches us there is the wrath of God is to come. No amens, but it's true. Verse seven, look what, I love verse seven. You used to do these things. Everybody say used to. That's a good West Texas term. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. And dirty language. And dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful... I mean, when you read this passage, does it, does it not sound like change to you? Yes. That sounds like some changing is happening. When God's grace is at work with inside of you, it empowers you to change. And a part of our goal as a church is to take you from where you are to place you where God wants you to be and that happens through maturity and growth. Listen, just because we say, read your Bible, have devotion with the Lord, pray, it doesn't mean that that you're stepping into legalism. What it means is you're stepping into relationship. So don't be afraid for God to do his work in you that you're gonna turn all legalistic. And just because we champion those things doesn't mean that it's legalism. It's discipline, which is the root for disciple, which is what we are all supposed to be. Verse 37, when a certain immoral woman from that city heard other, this, this, this account is found in other places in scripture. And it tells us that she was a prostitute. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there. Now listen, just really quick. Let me show this in there. Whenever, so like in that culture in the first century, whenever they did this, whenever they got together, it was like common for like a bunch of random people just to, I mean, could you imagine that? You're having a backyard party and, pe- and then like you, like people are peering over your fence trying to check out and hear what's going on. I mean that's kind of what what happens in this culture and so we don't know how she heard about it but we know that she was there he was eating there she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume verse 38 then she knelt behind him at his feet weeping her tears fell on his feet she wiped them off with her hair she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them and when the pharisee invited him saw this he said to himself is this man, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. I kind of want to draw a couple of things out of this. And one of them is this, which is my second point this morning. Understand the difference between conviction and condemnation. We need to understand the difference between conviction and and condemnation listen very a very this may maybe not be super theological in, in the way it sounds but a very simple thing is this condemnation is showing you the problem without the solution which the pharisees were great at condemnation is showing you the problem without the solution conviction is showing you the problem and leading you to the solution Which the solution is jesus are you with me so far so condemnation tells you you're a failure look at what you did but conviction says come to me and i'll forgive you see there is a big difference and everyone knew in that town she was a sinner but here's what i see that plays out in church so often is that people really, I mean, and we do it in so many ways. I mean, it's just not the situation, but it happens in so many ways. I mean, us as humanity, really, we like painting with a broad brush. You know what I mean by that? Do you, do you know that saying? We paint with a meaning that we make these wide sweeping statements about things that are, are really not accurate. It's really not the whole picture, but we, we kind of lump things up into one big judgment. Are you with me? And so that's kind of what we do sometimes about, about believers, about church. Listen, there are tons of people with church hurt. There are tons of people that have gone into churches and have been condemned and judged. And they carry that with them. But listen to me, I, I want you to just really very quickly, number one is this, is that Jesus is perfect. We are not. Matter of fact, Jesus is perfect. He is, I mean, he represents the Father. If we want to know what the Father looks like, we look at Jesus. And I mean, with his, his authority, his power, anointing, love, previ- I mean, everything that God is, we see exp- expressed to us in Jesus. And us as humanity, sometimes we try really hard, but we still mess up a lot. And so we make a lot of decisions about Jesus because of Jesus' people. Are, are, are you on the same page with me so far? So listen, even when we say who we are, I mean, we talk about it all the time, us as a church, come as you are. We love anybody. We embrace anybody. and, and we, we talk about that, we, we express that. It doesn't matter about backgrounds and past and, and all that kind of stuff, but yet we still meet people, I mean, that, that are hesitant to come in through the door because of whatever past experience, if they only knew what I did, if they only knew who I really was if they only really knew how and see that comes out of condemnation but i think a lot of people are judgmental towards christians and towards the church because they condemn themselves Amen. right because really what's going on is is a self-condemnation listen i when When we are presented with anything of of knowing of, well, when it comes down to it is guilt. Guilt will lead you to one of two places. It will either lead you to condemnation or it will lead you to the place of understanding that you need forgiveness. Because the reality is we're all guilty of breaking the law. So we all own some guilt, right? But the gift of God is eternal life. I, you know, I, so many are hesitant to come into church and because they're like, will, will the church condemn me? Will, will they see me like Simon, his cohort, saw this immoral woman bringing in the alabaster jar? Understand what conviction is and understand what condemnation is. But the Bible says, therefore, if any be in Christ, there is no condemnation. Luke 7, 38. Then she knelt down behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet. She wiped off with her hair. I know we just read this. So I want to read it again. Then she kept kissing the feet, putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who invited us saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. But I, I, I want to come off of talking about understanding what conviction is and condemnation is and number three is this is you need to predetermine what you're going to do with Jesus you need to predetermine what you're going to do with Jesus man if we went through if we went through encounters that people had with Jesus I mean one of them and I'm I may preach on it, I'm not 100% yet in and, and, and this series, but is, is blind Bartimaeus. I mean, blind Bartimaeus right here, he is blind, he's, he's calling out to Jesus. And as he calls out, what, what happens is the crowd around him begins to tell him, shh, quiet, be quiet, don't, don't call out to him. I mean, they're trying to hush him. Here we see that this woman walks into, this, into Simon's house and immediately there's judgment taking place as she comes in with this jar representing probably her life savings. That they some estimate this jar, this alabaster jar that she brought in may, may have been worth about thirty thousand dollars. And she walks into a room where she knows that she'll be judged. But she did not let it stop her to get to Jesus. I know that it's sad sometimes. Sometimes you got to determine that no matter what the crowd thinks, no matter what the crowd says, no matter what the crowd does, you're going to set your eyes on the Lord. You're going to set your eyes on Jesus. Somehow this woman, she learned that he was going to, I mean, think about it. I mean, this, as she comes in, I mean, the whispers, the, the accusing looks, and the reality is this. I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way, but there is a, probably a very good chance that there were men in that room that partook of her services. And so, but she determined that no matter what she was going to get to Jesus, she, she was even dealing with her own self worth and, and accusing memories and realities of what she had done in the past, but she determined no matter what she was going to meet with Jesus. Do not let the circumstance, do not let the circumstance keep you from the Lord. It's an Oswald Chambers quote, but I quote it often. And he said this until you can look the deepest, darkest fact in the face, and it is not damage. God. If it damages God's character, then you don't know God. Listen, too many times we allow the ups and downs of this world. We allow the, 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 the amount in the bank account or the job or what somebody gossips or says or who stabs us in the back. We let so much junk get our, get, get our eyes off the Lord. Don't let anything get your eyes off Jesus don't let a church allow you to, to, to get your eyes off Jesus. You pre- you determine, and the reality, and the other thing, part of this is this, is when you determine that nothing will keep you from the Lord, listen, you, you can't make the decision in the battle. It's too late. What you have to do is you have to make the decision before the battle. So right now, before the storm rages is where I decide I'm going to follow Jesus no matter what. I am making a resolution that I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm, I'm make, today, me and my house, we're going to serve God. I'm making a determination right now before the heat of battle, what I'm going to do when the battle hits. And that happens in so many areas of our life. It happens with a simple thing, with our reading our Bible, or it happens with with tithing. It happens with listen. Whenever you decide to step out something new in faith, you are going to get met with resistance. I mean, the day you decide to tithe is the day you blow the tire. Amen, Pastor. <laughs> I mean, that's just the reality of it. The day you decide you're going to serve and, and step up and do something in a church is a day that, man, all hell breaks through with life. It doesn't work to make the decision in the But Listen to what Scripture says. Psalm 119. Turn your eyes from worthless things. Give me life through your word. There's a commitment. Psalm 101.3. I refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. Decide it Now. Don't don't turn on something you know you shouldn't be watching and trying to decide then, should I watch this? I don't know. Psalm 16, I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken. I will not be moved. But through it all, she knew that her only chance was Jesus. She knew that her life was messed up. She had no other hope, and she knew there was a desperation for her to get to Jesus. She didn't come in a group. She was on her own. The boldness of what you do when you're desperate is really amazing. Her life, we don't know much about her life. We don't know other than what the scripture tells us but maybe she had her speech ready maybe, maybe she had it all ready of, of you know mapped out she had all had it worked out in her head i know i'm not a good person i know there's no reason for me to be loved and forgiven i've messed up so many times i admit it i'm a, i'm a prostitute is there any hope for me but when she saw him and she got to him the words were not there she's overwhelmed And so she felt something maybe she had never felt before. It was an emotion she had never had before. It was just an encounter with Jesus that was gonna change her life forever. I know that maybe there's many in the room that you understand. You understand the fear or the thought of rejection. You know, so many times, I mean, really, when we say, if they only know what I did, I mean, really, what we're expressing is, if Jesus only know what I had done. Well, I'm, can I just tell you something? He already knows. He already knows. And he loves you anyway. He, he knows what you did last night. And he loves you anyway. She had been rejected so many times. If Jesus had respected her, she'd be humiliated again. Or criticism, the whole town was watching. No one in that room wanted her there. And you've got to remember this scenario that's taking place. Most likely, some of the disciples are with Jesus. But it didn't single any one of them out that they were... I mean, we don't know how they responded, but it didn't say that, like, Jesus had partnership here and, and people that did not have a, and, you know, the way that he saw her. It's quite, it's reality that some of the disciples there saw her just like all the Pharisees did. She risked having to change. What would happen if Jesus accepted me? What would I have to change? And that's also a hard reality. So many people, they're like, you know what? I know I need to give my heart to the Lord, but what am I going to have to give up? She's overwhelmed with shame. She's filled with desperation and fear. And then in verse 39, I mean, Simon, the Pharisee, he speaks out. And so, remember what he said? He he thought to himself, if this man were a prophet if this man were a prophet verse 39 if this man were a prophet know who was touching him she's a sinner verse 40 then jesus answered his thoughts so jesus says out loud answering his question what simon has thought about in his heart would that get your attention then jesus answered his thoughts simon He said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. And he responds, Go ahead, teacher. Simon replied. Number four is this the amount you need to be forgiven is irrelevant to Jesus. The amount you need to be forgiven is irrelevant to Jesus. See, he goes on to say what? If you pick up in verse 41, he says, Let me tell you a story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one, fifty pieces of silver to the other. But neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said, he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, this is talking about what kind of host that Simon was. You didn't offer me water to wash dust from my feet, but she washed them with her tears. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the first time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. Verse 46, you neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head but she had anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you her sins and they are many, don't you like how they included that in there? I tell you her sins and they are many have been forgiven. So she's shown me much love, but a person who is forgiven little shows only a little love. Listen, it doesn't matter how much sin you think is there Christ's blood can wash and cleanse it all, all of it. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that he forgives you as far as the east is from the west. The Bible says that when he, he takes your sin and he throws it into the sea of forgetfulness. It's done, it's taken care of. The amount you need to be forgiven is irrelevant to Jesus. And the fifth thing is this, the more you've been forgiven, the greater your demonstration of love. But I, listen, I know that there's some in the room. I, you know, me and Angela, I mean, completely different lives before meeting each other, completely different lives before meeting Jesus. You know, Angela, I mean, she began to serve the Lord at a very early age and was faithful and served the Lord. And And I mean, all through, I mean, young elementary age, all through junior high, all through high school, never wavered, I was the exact opposite. And I think when we read this, and I'm not saying there's not truth in it about the amount somebody's been forgiven. I mean, we see it in scripture, but I think so many times those that have been living faithfully for the Lord, they they feel like their testimony doesn't measure up. And I I have said so many times, I I just really wanted to say it again, that I, I truly believe that it's a greater testimony when someone has lived with that faithfulness to the Lord and, and didn't waver. But the reality is this, regardless of what the past has been like, whether you've been a good person, whether, whether you've done the best you could to do what's right, to be, to be honorable, or whether you were a, a moral, uh, despicable person, there is forgiveness for everybody. Amen. And regardless of somebody, when you see somebody and maybe, I mean, it was like this in the depths of sin. I mean, and lived out that lifestyle and those bondages. Just because a person is a good person, it doesn't mean that they stand right with God. Yeah. They need forgiveness just as well. And so listen to me. I'm not, I know there's some, listen, I, when, our, when our shouters aren't here, I'm going to tell you, I miss it. I miss it, I miss it, I miss it. I love that interaction, amens, help me. I love hearing it in worship. I know that is not everybody's personality. But regardless of what the past was like, there was still a chasm that separated us from God. It was called sin. Thanks for joining us on this week's podcast. Be sure to tune in next time for more inspirational messages. Connect with us on social media at OdessaFirstAG. And if you'd like to support our ministry, visit OdessaFirstAssembly.com forward slash giving. Until next time, stay blessed.